From Moses, the Midwest Organic and Sustainable Education Service, this is the In Her Boots podcast, a show about women cultivating the sustainable and organic agriculture movement and how she does it. My name is Lisa Kiverest, and I founded and lead the award-winning Moses In Her Boots project, providing training, resources, and support for women farmers. I'm a farmer myself, running in serendipity with my family in Wisconsin, and am the author of Soil Sisters, a toolkit for women farmers. The In Her Boots podcast celebrates the collaborative spirit of us women farmers and all women working to transform our food system and steward our land, sharing ideas and inspiration with each other. Whether you're a woman with a dream of starting your own farm or already have your hands deep in the soil, there's something for you here. Be sure to subscribe so you won't miss anything. Kelsey Ducheneau is a member of the Lakota Sioux Nation. She is the fourth generation of the DX Ranch on the Cheyenne River Sioux Reservation, offering locally raised beef for direct sale. Kelsey also works as the Natural Resource Director and Youth Programs Coordinator for the Intertribal Agriculture Council, which presents her with a unique opportunity to support the improvement of Indian lands for Indian peoples across the nation. We are here for this week's Moses in Her Boots podcast with Kelsey Ducheneau. Thank you so much, Kelsey, for joining us and for sharing your story at, I know, the Moses Conference and the Women in Sustainable Ag Conference and so many places of your connection to the land and to farming and your roots in how everything is all connected. And I'm really excited to talk to you about this under our resilience theme, because there's so many different ways that can go and so many different holistic approaches that I know you use in your farming and your educational work and and all of that. So so with that, thank you for your time and for, for sharing with us today. And I, I'd love to kick off, as we have been in this summer series on resilience, of Kelsey, what is your definition of resilience? Well, I would like to uh, reflect that sentiment right back to you. Thank you for having me here today. It's always a sincere honor and privilege to be able to share my story. When one of my grandfathers told me when I was young, you know, you never pass up an opportunity to share your story because you don't know whose story it might help. And um, I really take that to heart. So I, I jump at any opportunity to, to share and to visit. For, for me, what resiliency, you know, means is being able to exist in a manner that contributes to more life or more productivity or more efficiencies. Um, and, and I really think about the way that the Great Plains have evolved when I consider and contemplate the concept of resiliency. Um, I am a botany, <laughs> plant and soil nerd. So it's impossible for me to not think about resiliency and to be thinking of all of these different diagrams in my head of different plant physiological features that are, you know, indications of the plant's shift towards a more resilient way to exist. And, you know, same with our soils, you know, there's, there's, there's so much resiliency built into our ecosystem here. Uh, and what I appreciate about the Great Plains is is when you are involved in that resilient ecosystem and you're managing it in a functional manner um, that is conducive to exercising the resiliency that exists there, you see more productivity. You see more um, diversity, more biodiversity, more grasses and plants and animals coming in. And it really spawns new life in, in so many ways that are magical to see. 
And to me, that's what resiliency is. Oh, I love that, Kelsey. And why do you think this concept is particularly important to us as women with our hands in the soil? And and if you would be willing to, to share some of your your native history in that the whole idea of a matriarchal society, right? And the idea that women have such of a more important role in our ecosystem than I think we historically have valued. How has that influenced your thoughts on this too? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I really appreciate the question. Um, I I think one of the ways in which uh, we can draw a comparison between the concept of resiliency and the ecosystems and and resiliency and stewardship and management with women is, you know, we are the sex that gets to contribute to spawning new life. You know, we are the carriers of the children um, and we, we grow that new life and develop it within our bodies in a manner that you know, uh, our male counterparts never get to experience. And to, I think that is directly related to our appreciation for the stewardship of our, you know, of our lands. And, you know, we can empathize with our cycle, the life cycle in a manner that I think men just can't because they don't get to appreciate and recognize that ability to care carry a child and, and to, you know, give birth. Um, and so I, I realized this, you know, when we're in calving season here in South Dakota and I can just, I, I don't have any children of my own yet, but I, I'm like, I feel for you sister when we've got a cow that might be having trouble or, you know, might be trying to find a way to, um, you know, give birth, uh, or, or when they're preparing, you know, they, they, I know that animals are so in tune with their, their cycle and their system. Um, but, you know, when, when I know that they're about a month out from giving birth or, you know, we're looking at our first calf heifers and they're getting ready for their first time becoming a mother, I just think like, oh, I wonder what they're thinking or what they're they're feeling or how they are, um, you know, preparing. Are they mentally preparing? And, um, you know, that that's a really unique aspect that women get to have in their life. And I think it does translate directly to our land stewardship techniques. When we uh, are able to be land stewards, Um, we, I am a member of the Lakota Sioux Nation here in South Dakota. Now, Um, we were originally a nomadic tribe that went as far north as Canada, as far south as Kansas, and from Wyoming to Minnesota. Um, We covered a great spance of the ecosystem because we knew that we needed as large of a tribe as we were we needed to be moving uh, so that we didn't over abuse any particular resource and you know sometimes there was patterns of our travel where we wouldn't return to the same spot for two or three years because we knew what the what the resource could handle um, and when we were making that those treks uh, the women are the you know they cared for the teepee uh, and the home the lodge and and so not a totally different meaning to homemaker. Um, when you think of women that were lifting, you know, these 10, 15, 20 foot poles to, to build their homes that would, you know, weather the storms for the people to live in, you know, and, and we were gatherers, um, we would prepare the meat to, you know, we would dehydrate the meat and, and dry it and coat it in choke cherries to, to be able to preserve it and to prepare for the year to come. You know, we, we used all aspects of the animal, 
Same way with like, you know, the resources that we would take from our, our plant nation too. We, we used all parts of the plant in functional ways, um, but we never did over abuse the resource. And those are some of the philosophies of stewardship management that I see amongst indigenous women that are fortunate enough to be involved in land stewardship today. You know, it's always about not just effectiveness in your management, but efficiency as well, making sure that you're not being wasteful, uh, you're not over abusing a particular resource, um, or if you are, you are fully aware and cognizant of that, and you do what you need to, to mitigate the potentially disastrous impact that you could have on that exploited resource. And you're, you're giving back to that resource base to enhance it and hopefully help it you know, express its own resiliency and, and recover from the overuse. Oh, that makes so much sense, Kelsey. And could you, could you share with us even more on that of how your Indigenous roots play a role in your own personal resilience? What are some of your experiences that build into your work today on this passion for connecting particularly young people with the land and farming? Some of the most rewarding stories that I have in my journey thus far in, in land stewardship and land management were, you know, really coming into my role and accepting and appreciating my responsibility as a land steward. You know, those are experiences that I've had, whether it be with nieces and nephews or local youth from surrounding communities that we've gotten to engage with through my family's nonprofit organization or in my work as a youth programs coordinator with the Intertribal Agriculture Council when I started with the organization and just exposing our young people to that concept of resilience that is expressed across the landscape, but then helping them to realize that, you know, we're all related, that that is our premise for, for how we engage in our stewardship practices. We are related to all things animate and inanimate across the landscape. And when you consider yourself to have kinship with those items, um, you not only express more appreciation and care towards the plant nation or, or to the soil or to the sister sky or grandmother earth, but you, you start to see that you are just as resilient as the landscape that you're working to steward. Um, and to me, it's, it's almost kind of like a, a rite of passage that used to exist amongst our tribal communities. You know, you used to, at some age, come into the role of going out and engaging in the bison hunt or going out and gathering with your mother and aunties. And, and they would teach you um, the ways of motherhood or womanhood while they were out gathering and preparing for the winter to come. And, and those are things that I'm so blessed and fortunate to be able to share with our youth as I remain steadfast in my plant nerd and soil nerd habits um, and, and find ways to engage with our youth, expose them to all of the greatness that exists in our resource base. And, you know, I always try to make it my goal to, to help youth of Indian country realize that they don't just live in the middle of nowhere. Uh, they live in a sea of untapped potential and in, in limitless opportunity. And it's just up to them to really connect with those resources and figure out what their 
responsibility and role really looks like when it comes to engaging and in, in being a steward of that land. Oh, that's so inspiring and needed. And can you share a little bit of some of your your own practical ways, Kelsey, that you build your resilience? Because part of our reason in doing this series during this summer is it's for most of us the busiest time of year, right? And there's just a lot going on. And it's hard to prioritize time and mm-hmm. anything else needed to make things happen. Are there some things that you do in your own life that you'd be willing to share that might uh, some practical ideas? I am really fortunate uh, in working for the Intertribal Art Intertribal Agriculture Council, and we're an organization that really puts producers at the forethought of all of the work that we do. Um, And so I often ask this question a lot when I'm networking with organizations or or different individuals, and I'm like, okay, but how are producers going to use this information? Because that's who we're really trying to reach, right? So a couple of the things that I like to do here on the ranch, and I share this with all of the producers that I engage with, because I, I think it's important you know, we have all of these statistics to recognize that the demographic of the average farmer or rancher in the United States uh, is in, at retirement age. Um, that's that's the average age of our producers. But that's not to say that they don't have young people that are working with them on the operation uh, that are trying to become that key stakeholder. Um, and one of the ways, though, that you can start to have these conversations with producers and, and what, some of the things that I like to do on my ranch is to boil down these large overwhelming concepts of like transect lines and um, large, you know, meter square forage calculation clippings and things like that. And, and just take it down to the nuts and bolts of, okay, what are we really trying to get at? When we're doing a transect line out there on the range, we're trying to identify biodiversity, right? So one of the things that I like to do is I have a, um, a clicker, like a hand clicker that counts one at a time, every time you click the button that is attached to my saddle. And when I go out and I ride through the cows or I push cattle from one pasture to the next, I am trying to train my eye to count how many different species, plant species I see in that pasture on my ride. Now, some days I, you know, like I said, I'll go out to check the cows and I just make a path in the pasture that is similar from one day to the next. It helps me get to all the high spots and and look down into all of the draws or check all of the watering points where the cattle might be. And along that path, um, I'm constantly looking at the plants. I, I think that my travels would be a lot quicker if I wasn't stopping to pick some sage here or to dig some roots there um, and, and to really appreciate the plants. But in considering what diversity I see above ground, I can directly relate that to the soil health that's going on below ground because we're only we're only allowed to see half of the picture, if half of the picture, because so much of our ecosystem's resiliency and functional capacity is determined by what's going on underground. And so we just have to really observe and understand what's taking place above ground and what might that be telling us about what's taking place below ground and how does our management Uh, interact and manipulate those two concepts. Um, So that's one of the things that I really like to share with producers is, you know, you don't have to, I I recognize that 150 yard transect that you go out and you do in every pasture is kind of a little bit overwhelming and it it can be so overwhelming that you don't ever do it. Uh, But it doesn't have to be that. It can just be an observational 
recognizing how many plants, how many different types of plant species you see as you go out there on your ride. And more often than not, after talking with a producer about doing that, you know, I'll, I'll get calls back and they'll be like, hey, yeah, I found 12 different plant species in my calving pasture. I didn't even know that there was 12 different plants out there, you know, and they might say, I noticed last year I only had 12 plants, but now I'm up to 14. What's happening? You know, and that's that's when it's really fun to be like, well, you know, you're increasing the biodiversity. So you must be doing something right. You know, and then you can start to talk with producers about are they forbs or are they grasses? Do they have a flower on them? Um, and we can start to look at, you know, are they introduced species? Are they more um, of the cool season species? Or do you have some species that are coming in the heat of the summer? Um, and, and that's just a real observation based mindset. Uh, and that similar thing can apply to the animals too. You know, how many different birds did you count out there today? Um, was that different than the spring or this fall? You know, are you recognizing that you're seeing more birds come in and, and build their nests during a certain time of the year? Are your pastures all similar with their bird habitat and prevalence of species? Or do you see shifts? And to me, it, it makes it a lot more conceivable that you can have not only that 65-year-old farmer or rancher doing these things as they're driving their pickup out, checking the water tanks, uh, but you can also inspire some of that mentorship on the ranch in the fact that you know, you'll have grandpa clicking on this clicker and there's going to be a grandchild that's riding with him one day that says, what are you doing that for? You know, And then they might pull the pickup over and get out and show the different plants that he's counting or talk about the difference between a grass or a forb or a cool season grass and a warm season grass. And that is, in my opinion, starting to rebuild those relationships that we used to have when we only lived and existed out there in nature. That was just our way of life. And we, we have to figure out a way to continue to get back to that and to appreciate that it's going to be a little bit more difficult for some individuals to get back to that all-encompassing exposure to nature. And some of them are going to be very inclined to going out and to just transitioning their operation to 100% regenerative focused management. You know, there's a, a varying scale and ability of our producers and as, you know, technical assistance providers or even, you know, advocates for resiliency on the landscape or, you know, regenerative ag producers ourselves, we have to appreciate our need to translate our language in a manner that contributes to other producers considering and taking place, assuming the similar responsibilities that we've made our own. Sure. That clicker idea is such a simple and impactful concept. And it, it goes so well with the themes we've been talking about <laughs> yeah. this summer of, yeah, of uh, mindfulness and gratitude. And as you were saying, Kelsey, taking the time to do these things because it, it's not in our nature. We want to get through jobs. We want to get from point A to B. I, I get it. But that makes so much sense. And to see the growth of diversity over time. Could, could you talk a little bit more about that that observation mindset, as you were calling it, of how we as women can can tap into that more and be more mindful in our approach to both farming, but but even each other as people and community of how that observation attitude of seeing things, I would guess too often as 
little problems before they become big problems, right? Yeah. Well, you know, I think women have an eye for detail and for um, specificity when it comes to the color differences in color from one plant to the next, you know, some of these things like just stand out more to women because of how our brains are formed. (laughs) Um, and, And because of, you know, what, you know, how our exposure to society or our engagement with our friends and, and what that has trained us to be looking for. Um, and so I think that that's where we can be an incredible asset as land stewards is we are very detail oriented and we're looking for those individual characteristics that may differ one pasture from the next where our male counterpart may not pick up on that. Um, and it's it's not to discredit their stewardship ability. It's purely a biologically, uh, you know, evolution based reality for us in realizing that we all have different strengths and weaknesses from one sex to the other. And beyond that, we have a different way of communicating and engaging with humans or and even with animals too. Um, and I am actually one of those individuals that's that's a very strong willed, very. Um, let's get through A, B, C, D. Let's focus on these. Let's get it done. And so I, I probably am a little more leaning towards the side of, you know, not having as much of a, a, an emotional connection. Uh, and, and I, but I recognize that about myself and I realize that that's different than most, um, women who, who do have a tendency to really want to take the time to expose themselves to the environment and react accordingly to uh, the emotions at play, the the individuals and their personalities involved. And I have just am wired to have a, a personal focus on really driving towards, you know, what are our goals? What are our functional uh, deliverables that we can focus on? And so it's taken a lot of time for me to really try to empathize and, and understand and express more of that the cool blue personality that is a little more, you know, earthly and considerate. Uh, but even in my personality base of, of being very goal oriented, I know that one of my number one goals in any circumstance is the need to be observational and to express empathy. And so I think that that helps me to consider where other humans or where their perspectives may be different and to empathize with where they're coming from and to appreciate that everybody has their own opinions that are a result of the life circumstances that they've been exposed to thus far. And it's not my job to necessarily justify them if they're inappropriate opinions, but it is my job to appreciate that they've developed those opinions as a result of what they've been exposed to in life. And I cannot necessarily hold that against them. Uh, but what I can do is adjust and react in a manner that may be more conducive to having a relationship building experience with that person moving forward. You know, it's our, our family's nonprofit um, project help is a lifemanship through horsemanship sort of uh, organization. And we engage with horses through thoughtful interactions that uh, really relate to life skills in building these relationships with people or with other animals, you know, dogs, kids, teachers, anything. 
Um, and the reality is we have to empathize and consider where an individual is coming from and why they're coming from that particular point of view. And then adjusting our reaction accordingly, uh, adjusting our body language and our presentation so that hopefully we can build forward in, in expressing more resiliency through our relationship and bringing new light or new productivity to people or to the land and moving forward. Uh, because we're, we're really truly in a day and age where we can't afford to sit stagnant anymore. Uh, we can't afford to regress. We have to be finding ways to bridge gaps and move forward because it's just of the utmost survival importance in some of these circumstances. Terrific. Well, thank you so much, Kelsey, for your your words of inspiration here. And uh, thank you for all the good work you do and, and all the best. Thanks for listening to our In Her Boots podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Kiverest, with the Moses In Her Boots project. This episode's audio engineer was Liam Kiverest of TechSocket.net. The podcast was brought to you by the Midwest Organic and Sustainable Education Service, Moses. The mission of Moses is to educate, inspire, and empower farmers to thrive in a sustainable organic system of agriculture. For more information on Moses, In Her Boots, and a bounty of organic resources, check out mosesorganic.org.